All right, so good morning again, and welcome to Cold Springs. My name is Nick, and it's really good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get to participate in the series that we're doing here uh, called With, and just take a look at Jesus coming to be with us and uh, all that that means for us. So um, if you would pray with me, uh, we'll jump into what we're going to be looking at this morning. Jesus, again, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that um, you're giving us this, this beautiful rain and, and snow that we need so much. God, we just, we praise you and we thank you for all of your gifts. Thank you that you're um, first and foremost for, for yourself. That, that God, you don't leave us here alone. That you have come to be with us. God, I pray that as we uh, turn to, to Luke chapter 1 this morning and continue reading the story of um, you coming. Lord, I pray that you would just speak into our hearts. Help us to see you more clearly, your heart for us, and your love for us more clearly this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. So the last time I uh, got to be uh, with you on a Sunday morning uh, in this role uh, was a while ago. It was back in the summer, early fall, I don't know, whatever. It was the end of the Nehemiah series, all right? So it's been a while. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is... The Nehemiah series like, like concluded a time period, and now we're picking back up at the beginning of the next one, okay? There was a 400-year period of silence that we talked about after Nehemiah. And the, the things that we're talking about last week and that we're talking about this week is, is, is the first words that the people of Israel are hearing from God after a 400-year period of silence. Not only that, but, but these people who, who, who are Israelites, who have been following God, who have been faithful to God, this remnant of people who, who, who are yearning and wanting to see the promises of God unfold before their eyes, who are paying attention to, to the Hebrew scriptures and seeing that the time of the prophecies that have been given by God has come to fruition, that the time is here. These people are waiting with expectation and looking for the Messiah, looking for the one who is promised, the one who's to come. And, 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 and everything in them is, is, is yearning for that person. And people are aware of that. So, so there's, there's people who are popping up all over the place, like fake messiahs. It's kind of ridiculous, right? Claiming to be the one who's, who's to come. And, and, and one after another... They get taken out. Their followers get scattered. But at the end of this 400-year period of silence, God has broken in through the silence. And he's come to this, this, this guy, Zechariah, who, who was the priest that we looked at last week, and his wife Elizabeth, who's now pregnant in her old age. And, and, and her son, John the Baptist, their son, John the Baptist, who's to come. She, she, she's pregnant with, the, with this son that's been promised. And this week, we're going to take a look at the angel's next stop on his, on his tour <laughs> with Elizabeth's relative, Mary, this young woman. So we pick up um, here in Luke. But where we left off, the people, like I said, they, they, they were desperate. 
They thought they had everything in place for God to work and God to move. And they they were looking back, seeing the promises that God had made, seeing the promises they had made to their forefather, Abraham, that, that, that if Abraham would follow God, that God would give him, he would give him land. He would give him this space, this territory. He would give him a multitude of descendants that was far beyond his imagination, that he couldn't even count. He told Abraham, look at the stars in the sky, count those. If you can count those stars, you can number the descendants that you're going to have. And he told Abraham a third thing, the third component of, of, this, of, of this promise from God was this blessing. He said, through you, Abraham, is going to come a blessing for the entire world. The entire world, the nations will be blessed. Not just your people, not just your descendants, but the nations. Everyone in the world is going to be blessed. And so the people of Israel had lived their lives through the centuries and they had built this kingdom that God had blessed them with this in this land. And they had their city, Jerusalem, and their temple where the presence of God dwelt. And they would come and they had their ritual sacrifices and they had all these things that, that, that their whole community was designed for their lives to revolve around the presence of God there in the temple. Their entire way of life that God had designed, that God had orchestrated for them to engage in was, was, was built to revolve around his presence there in the temple to draw them back to himself. And so we see this thing of the presence of God there at the temple. We see uh, the thing that's given to Moses called the law. And it's like the guidebook for them. It's, it's, it's the guidelines for how God is calling them to be as a people and, 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 and how God is calling them to live. But it's more than a guidebook. Because the, the psalmist, the, the person whoever wrote Psalm 119, if you ever want to read Psalm 119 and you ever want to get a picture of how people who love God viewed the law, go read Psalm 119. It's almost confusing, okay? His affectionate language towards the law of God is, is, is just mind-blowing. And it's section after section after section of, of this person whose, whose heart is pouring out about the laws of God and everything that they mean to them. And so these people have built this identity around this capital city and, and, and this temple that's set in this capital city where, where they're able to preserve their, their way of life and their faith. But then that all goes away. That all goes away. And the Babylonians are the ones that kind of come and finish it off, destroy the city, carry the rest of the people off. And then, like I said, the Nehemiah story comes at the end of a rebuilding period where the people, they've rebuilt the temple, they've reestablished the law, and they've rebuilt the walls around the city. So they've established these three things that they think are going to be the way that God is going to going to move and is going to bless them. And what the temple represented was God's presence. It represented the place, the physical location where the presence of God dwelt among his people, in the midst of his people. And the law, it represented the motivation, the heart that they were to have towards one another, towards, towards God and towards one another, and how, how they were to live their lives. And the third part of it was, was that wall, the city that gave them their identity. 
as the people of Israel. And when it was all rebuilt, there was this huge celebration when the temple was completed. And there was two competing factions of people, okay, in this celebration. Because there were some younger people who had never seen the previous temple, and they were celebrating and and cheering so loud that that, that people from all around could hear. And the people who had seen the previous temple were, were wailing and mourning. Because of how much, how how far short that temple fell from the previous one, from Solomon's temple. But it wasn't just in grandeur or splendor that the temple fell short, but it was in the key factor of the presence of God. That the presence of God wasn't there. And as much as they taught the law, the people just continued to fall away and continued to fall away. And as much as they tried to establish an identity, the people kept turning away from that identity. And the end of Nehemiah is just this, 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 this desperation or this hopelessness of like, well, we tried and this isn't working. There has to be something greater. And this, 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 this new period, this new thing is the breaking in of the something greater. It's, it's, it's Jesus stepping into that space where the people are looking to the temple for the presence of God, where they're looking to the law for the motivation to be the people that God is calling them to be, and they're looking to the walls to provide this identity of who they are as a people. Jesus says, stop looking at the physical things around you. I'm here to do something that's far greater than anything that you could even imagine. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we pick up. And here's what it says. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So if you imagine, God is announcing this great new thing, right? God's announcing this great new thing. We're starting off on the right page, right? An angel is coming to make this announcement. That seems fitting, It says, in the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. 400 years. Have you ever felt like you saw something on the horizon that you yearned for, that you longed for, but you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to come to fruition? But it just seems like it's just out of grasp, just too far to grab a hold of. These people had been waiting 400 years, and this is the breaking in of the news that they've been waiting 400 years to hear. Sometimes we feel like God's forgotten about us. 
Sometimes it's easy in the moments of our lives when, when things seem desperate, when things seem hopeless, to feel like, man, God, I'm, I'm, are, are, are you still there? Do you, do you remember what you said? But God, God's not counting time how we count time. And his promises that he has given us, he is faithful to them. And these people who had waited 400 years, here's this young woman. Here's this young woman. And she hears these words. And I can only imagine her heart. Think about what's going on in the heart of this young woman who knows what, what, what she's waiting for. She knows what her people are longing for, what her people are yearning for. And she's hearing these words spoken over her by this angel who's appeared to her. And they're the words of the fulfillment of the promise that they're all waiting for. Came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Do you imagine? You're like, wait, what? Me? Favored one, the Lord is with you. She's probably looking around, this young teenage girl from this out-of-the-way town, small-town Israel, wondering, what do you mean? What do you mean the Lord is with me? She says, but she was greatly troubled, saying, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And here's the news. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary knows what's going on. She knows exactly what's happening. That 400 years of silence has just exploded. It's gone. Here is this angel, here is the kingdom of God breaking in to her life in this moment. The thing that stands out to me, the thing I wonder about is, man, it says that she was troubled by the greeting. She was troubled by the greeting. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary? This young woman who's engaged, betrothed, she's, 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 she's on track to be married, this guy Joseph. Think about everything that's going through her head. She's like, wait a second, okay, so, so I'm, 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 I've just been given this amazing promise. That God is going to fulfill his promises to our forefathers, all these prophecies, everything that we've been hoping for and waiting for, it's going to happen through me. But, but how am I going to explain that to everybody else? When I'm all of a sudden an unwed, pregnant young woman, how, how's that going to happen? How's that going to work? Because if you remember, part of that law that we talked about earlier is that adultery was a capital offense. 
was that you, you, were, you were liable to be stoned to death by your community for infidelity. That was the weight that adultery carried. So here's Mary listening to this news. And you can only imagine everything, all the thoughts, everything swirling through her head. But her first response is, wait, me? Me? I'm just little old Mary. I'm just this young woman living here in Nazareth. What are you talking about? Mary? I wonder how many of us feel that way. We hear about the promises of God. We hear about the things that God is calling us into, the way that he's calling us to live out our faith. And we think, man, or we see stories about other people who are doing great things for the kingdom of God. And we think, man, I'm, I'm just Nick. I'm just whoever... I'm not this significant person. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anything special. And we wonder, man, like, how could God do this through me? How could God work in such a powerful way through his people? And we start to have these thoughts of, of, I'm too old, I'm too sick, I'm too young, I don't have enough experience, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough whatever. And all these things flood through our heads, these limiting factors that we start to think and we start to, to put onto ourselves to tell God, you know what, God, I hear you, but, 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 but you just don't understand what's going on in my life. You just don't understand these other factors that I have going on that are going to keep me from doing the things that you're calling me to do. And we start to limit God in that way because we just think, we think oh, it's, it's, it's just little old me. But let's think about the people who God calls to follow him, to make an incredible impact in the world throughout Scripture. Do you remember the story from 1 Samuel. God has a prophet. He's going to call a king to lead his people Israel into this season of flourishing. And he sends the prophet. He says, I want you to go to this house. There's this guy, Jesse. He's got a bunch of sons. One of those sons is going to be the king. And so, so, so Samuel shows up at Jesse's house and he says, hey, I'm here. Um, I need you to bring all your sons in and um, something cool is going to happen. So it's going to be great. Jesse's like, awesome. Gathers all of his sons together, prepares a meal. They're eating a meal together. And Samuel gets up and he pulls out his anointing oil and he goes and he's praying over each of these people, each of these sons. He starts with the oldest of the sons and he's looking at him. He's like, this has got to be it. Look at this guy. Big, strong, handsome, seems intelligent, engaging, whatever else. And God's like, nope, that's not him. And he goes down the line of all of Jesse's sons and God says, nope, that's not him. That's not the one I want you to anoint. That's not the one I want you to anoint. That's not the king. That's not the one who's going to be the king. And finally, Samuel's at the end of the line, and God said, no, 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 no. Samuel's like, all right, God. Like, either God's holding out on me or Jesse's holding out on me. He looks at Jesse, and he goes, hey, do you have any other sons that you didn't bring out here? And he goes, well, yeah, there's David, but he's out in the field with the sheep. 
He's, he's the shepherd for the family. He's like, well, bring him in here. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible, King David, was a forgotten shepherd boy that his dad dismissed out of hand, that his dad overlooked. One of the greatest leaders, one of the most influential people, like honestly, outside of Jesus, like one of the most influential people in the history of the world, was a forgotten shepherd boy. King David. Who else did God call? Elisha, the great prophet. What was he doing when God called him? He was a farmer. He was working a plow. Like a manual plow, not like a tractor plow. Like he wasn't riding in the tractor in the cab, drinking some coffee and hanging out. All right? <laughs> he was pushing down, working hard, probably smelling some, like, you know, whatever kind of animals he had, farts, walking behind him. Probably wasn't real pretty. And God calls Elisha to follow him. And here he, look at everything that Elisha did. Think about the disciples that Jesus called. They came from all walks of life. Sure, there were a couple prestigious and well-off people who, who had some, some type of status society. But for the most part, it was like fishermen. Just normal, everyday people that Jesus went and called to follow him and become some more of the most influential people in human history. How many things are named after Peter? St. Peter, whatever. Like all the things. Like look around the world. James and John and the others. Think about Mary Magdalene. This woman who was broken, who had nothing, who was oppressed spiritually. And Jesus calls her to follow. And then she's the first one that gets to see him when he's resurrected. I think a lot of times we put limits on ourselves. We say, God, it's just me. And God says, yeah, I know who you are. Here's God's message for you. Is, is, is he's looking at you and he's saying, yeah, I know. I know. I know who you are because, because before you were born, I formed you in your mother's womb. Every one of your days was numbered before you lived any of them. I know your thoughts. I know the words on your tongue before you speak them. That's what God has to say to us in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our, but God, it's just me. And we wonder, how could I possibly bring heaven to earth? How could I possibly help the kingdom break in to earth in the way that God is calling us to do? This young woman, let's see kind of what her response is. It goes on. 
and gives her this promise. Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Fair question, okay? She's like, hey, I know how these things work. Um, and I've never heard of this thing working. <laughs> it says, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Let's just pause for a second. This angel tells her that she is going to bring the Son of God into the world. In a way that's never been heard of. In a way that, that, that's never before happened. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, who was called barren, excuse me, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. She's like, Wait, how's this going to happen? Angel says, listen, God's got a way. It's not up to you to make it happen, Mary. God's calling you to trust, to be faithful, to, 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 to hold your hands open. And Mary's response, it's such a beautiful thing. Here's this young woman, this young woman, and her faith is something that, man, I hope I have a shred of someday. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. She sets aside all those thoughts, all those questions, all those fears that could be, that were bubbling up inside of her potentially. The things that she was thinking about, like what, what about what's Joseph going to think? What are my parents going to think? What's my community going to think? What's, what's, how, how is this going to work out? I could be killed for this. I don't know, what, what's this even going to look like? How's that going to happen? That's impossible. Like, how, what are you talking about? And, 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 and the angel says, listen. <laughs> talking about God. For him, nothing is impossible. Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an amazing story. What an amazing faith. So what puts Mary in position to see these great things done in her and through her? Because here's the reality is that God works in his people and through his people to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He always has. He always will. See, we are in position, when we say yes to Jesus, when we, when we say yes, and we respond in faith to who he is, 
We're given new life by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that came upon Mary to bring life into her womb. The same Spirit that breathed life into Adam in Genesis chapter 1. It's the same Spirit that breathes life into us and enlivens us and allows us to see the things of the kingdom and allows us to move towards the things of the kingdom. the spirit who, who comes into us. And we get put in this position where we have the good news. We have the gospel of who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he continues to do for us. And we have our culture, our society, the world around us. See, what happens is, is that that God brings new life into us and we are in the world and people look into us and they see a reflection of the gospel. They see the good news in our lives. We are the interpretation. We are the, the, the manifestation. We are, the, we, we are the, the, the flesh and bones walking vision of what the good news is in the people's lives around us. That's what Jesus calls us to be. And we wonder, man, how, what does that even look like? Well, let me tell you, like, I've gotten a chance to have so many conversations with people who are making, or who, through whom God's kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to have conversations with people right here in our church, in our community, who are welcoming people into their home, people who are, who are, who are inviting people, whether it's foster kids, whether it's um, other people who need a place, inviting them open-handedly into their home, give them a place to live. For using their gift of hospitality to show God's kingdom coming and his will be do- being done on earth as it is in heaven. We look around our community and we can see we can see people who are selflessly giving their time to serve parts of our community that are underserved, that are most in need. Every day, every week, every month of every year, people who are putting it out there to love our community, to be the presence of Jesus for people who are far away from God. I look around our church and I see people who go to work every single day and enter into spaces like schools, who enter into Spaces in this community that most of us fortunately never have to interact with. See people who are involved in, in being teachers, people who are being who, who, who are law enforcement, people who are nurses and, and, and medical professionals, who are entering into places in people's lives that are critical. And they're being the presence of God in those lives. The opportunity every single day to see his kingdom come and his will be done, to see heaven break in to earth through them, just like heaven broke in to earth through this young woman, Mary. We wonder, we ask ourselves, but, but it's just little old me. It's just me, it's just Nick. It's just whoever you are, and God says, I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. I'm inviting you to partner with me to bring my love into the lives of the people around you, to be my presence 
in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, and in your community. God's saying, man, I see you. You know, the people of Israel, they were looking back. They were looking at this physical location. They were looking at this temple. They were looking at this law. And they were looking at these walls that define this city as their, as their, as their place where they were looking for the presence of God and the motivation to serve him and their identity as a people. But the good news is this, is that, that Jesus breaks into that and through that. And right off the bat in this passage, the angel says, the Lord is with you. And that's the good news for us, is that God is with us. That Jesus is with us. So where is the presence of God in our lives? Paul, in, the, in, in his letter to the Romans, wrote this in Romans chapter 5. He said, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, he's talking to people who've responded in faith to Jesus. He says, we have, we, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And he says this, and hope does not put us to shame. Because, here's the key, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, he tells his disciples, hey, I'm about to leave, but it's better for you that I go to be with my Father. You should rejoice because I'm going to send my Spirit to be with you. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. He's saying God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The same spirit breathed life into Adam. The same spirit who brought life into the womb of the young woman Mary. It's the same spirit who's poured into our hearts. The very presence of God. The very love of God. The very grace of God. The gift of God is his spirit in us. To be with us. And he invites us to partner with him to bring his presence into the world. That we're not looking to a temple, that we're not going to the central location, but that he's sending his spirit, his presence out into the nations to be a blessing to the nations. That promise to Abraham is being fulfilled in you. The thing that the people of Israel longed for, sometimes we don't even realize we don't even realize how much bigger God's vision is for us than what we have in mind. So what's the good news today? What's the good news that we're looking at today? The presence of God is found through a spirit in my life. If if our motivation, instead of being looking at the law, is this love that's transformed our hearts and this presence in our lives that, that, that motivates us to love the people around us in the way that we've been loved. If our identity is now found in who we are in Christ, what's the good news that we have today? Here's, 
Here's the first part is, man, God is faithful to his promises beyond anything that we can ask. If you're living your life and you think that God has forgotten about you, if you think that God is slow to fulfill his promises, I want to encourage you this morning that these people who had been waiting, who had been waiting 400 years of silence, that, that, that suddenly God broke in through the silence. That God's timing doesn't always align with ours and his ways don't always align with ours, but ultimately his timing and his ways and his plan are so much better than anything we could ask or think. God's inviting you to trust him, to be faithful to his promises. Some more good news this morning is that you are loved. God didn't just look around the world and go, you know what? It's too broken. It's too much. There's too much evil. There's too much, there's too much sin. There's too, too many people harming each other. Instead, he broke into the darkness by his son, Jesus Christ, to bring light, to bring hope, to bring love into a place where there wasn't love. to know that you are loved. And the way that you know that is, man, that he gives you the gift of his spirit. When you look at him and you see that great love that he has for you, your heart responds in faith. You receive the gift of the spirit. The last thing is this, man. Jesus wants to reveal himself to the world around you, in you, and through you. That's his heart for you. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, that's just little old so-and-so. Look at all these things that they've done in the past. You can't, can't really work there. With God, nothing is impossible. He looks at you and sees who you are and sees a beloved child he wants so desperately for you to experience the love that he has for you. In this season, as we celebrate Jesus coming to earth, that's God's invitation to us, is to receive the gift of his presence, to be with us. To receive the gift of his presence, to work in us and work through us, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you don't just leave us here, that you don't just leave us waiting and longing, but that you are faithful, that you are true to your promises, that you reach out towards us. That you actually come to be in us. God, I pray this season as we lean into everything that you are, everything that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that we would just find tremendous hope and joy and peace in you. As we worship you and praise you 
for who you are and what you've done for us and the role that you actively play with your presence and your love and your life in our lives. God, I pray that this holiday season, this Christmas season, would just be a time where we would grow closer to you, where our hearts would be drawn more deeply to you, because that's your heart for us, is that we would know you intimately. Praise things in your name.